Welcome, this is Tapping into Creativity, a podcast in which we explore the magic that happens when creativity, art and education meet. We are a group of professionals and pioneers from Ireland, Greece, Serbia, Austria and the Netherlands working together. By sharing stories, we hope to learn about successful practices throughout Europe and inspire you with the lessons learned. I am Manja Eland and I am Linda Rosen. We are your hosts. I have been talking to Georgina Kakudaki. She is from Greece mm-hmm. and she is a director, a dramaturg and a theater specialist. Nice combination. Yes. What have you been discussing? Well, first of all, of course, uh, we've met Georgina when we were in Athens mm-hmm. and we worked together. We had first-hand experience in how she works. So that was really, really nice. And I think what's most interesting about the conversation I had with her is her love for working with young adults, adolescents. Mm-hmm. She believes that these young people, when they are 14, 15, 16, they are ready to learn how to speak their mind. Mm-hmm. They have opinions and they're valuable opinions. And she really believes in the democratic process that these young people should have the courage to voice their opinions. And in the interview, she gives some really nice examples of how they do it in a program called Theatre Within the Walls. Mm-hmm. And also how she uses theater to help these young people to realize their own opinions. That sounds so interesting. I wish I met her when I was 15 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I think my parents are quite happy that I didn't. (laughs) Let's go and listen to the interview. Today I am joined by my colleague Georgina Kakudaki from Greece. Good morning, Georgina. Good morning. So before we dive into your work, can you please tell me something and our listeners about who you are? So I work in the theater and I do both theory, art and pedagogy. So I have this profile that things mingle between them. I have studied theory of theater and also in a drama school. And I have been doing intensive theater pedagogic workshops and adult learning for almost a decade later. So I have worked as a dramaturg for maybe over 30 years in productions. And also for the last 15 years, I have become a professional theater director. I direct theater plays aiming to adolescent audiences with professional actors. And uh, also I do theater pedagogic workshops for adults and for teachers, school teachers, for a lot of years with the TNET, the International Theater for Education to Institution in Greece. Mm -hmm. And all these capacities, let's say, have led me to do an interesting pattern of how you mix theory, pedagogics, and uh, the art of theater, the dramaturgy of theater as well. Okay. So, and I also teach, uh, a lot of times I teach in schools, in primary and secondary schools. So I'm fully occupied in all possible ways with the theater. Yes, and education, on the brink of both. And can you remember the moment during your life, when you were a young girl maybe, or a teenager, when you felt that theatre was for you the way to go? 
I'm not sure that I really remember something like that. I was always very communicative as a child and as a young woman. But I think that it started, it's strange, from my very intensive interest in uh, music. Mm. So I was uh, listening to all these musical programs on the radio that they were specializing in a period of the 60s. And uh, after this uh, broadcast, it was uh, radio theater. Ah. So because I was bored to switch off the radio, I would listen to theater plays. So then suddenly when I was 15, I have uh, listened to all of the plays of the theater of the absurd. Mm -hmm. And this way I knew uh, this world opened up for me. Okay. And uh, this also with the music and also with the movies that I was a very, very great movie lover always. I think all these things led me to go first into this sort of literature mm -hmm. and then into this sort of action. Yeah. So I cannot remember myself without the theater after I was 15. Okay, that's quite young for uh, a path to be chosen. <laughs> that's nice. Yes, that's true, yeah. <laughs> and I heard you speak in your introduction that you worked with adolescents and you being 15, you were an adolescent. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do with the adolescents? Can you tell me something about that in the theatre? We have created an institution, let's say, called the Theatre Within the Walls where we go to the school. The school can also come to the actual venue but we also prefer to go to the school. And we present a theater play with professional actors, as I said, that usually is a part of the curriculum. So they either have a small piece, two pages in their literature, or they have it in their um, classes of ancient Greek. In Greece, we teach ancient Greek in schools also. So what we do is that we actually do a theater play that they are in their curriculum, to learn grammar, syntax, or political overviews, or whatever. Roman and Juliet is also a part of it, or even Faust is a part of the curriculum, mm. because it's being taught in political science, right? So ah. we draw an idea from a textbook, usually, and uh, we create the whole play. And usually the play is hugely devised by my fellow actors on stage, so that it gives a very contemporary and very updated point of view of the world. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to pick the real subjects that we think they are of concern for young people, not because they are young, but because they are new. So there are all these archetypical questions that we want to raise in a very clear manner, not as a subtext, but uh, to clearly stage on stage, points of view like Antigone. So the subtitle is The Right to Have an Opinion, mm -hmm. or Helen by Euripides. And there is a subtitle called The Truth in the Lying, lying like when you say a lie. Oh, yeah. Or when we did uh, Midsummer Night's uh, Dream, we had the subtitle How Can I Defeat Reality? So you see these are all in uh, The Clouds by Aristophanes. The subtext was the education that I have and the education that I want. Mm. Uh, so th we take a very, very basic for us element of the play, which is an element of a real question, an archetypical question that I think people, when they are 15 years old, they start asking questions that will not be answered. But they are the adult questions, the actual questions that we all have whether there is truth, whether there is uh, pride, whether there is what happens after life, mm -hmm. whether they are going to be loved, how do they choose, yeah. who are they, you know. I don't think that anybody has solved that. And I think <laughs> that was my main infatuation, the reason that I actually wanted to do this stuff, 
because for me they were also not answered. And you made a very nice point when you said that I was 15 when I started to do the theater. And maybe that was a very important date also for me, the way that theater for me did not answer. Of course, it did not answer, but it created a safe environment around which you can actually confront yourself. Explore. Explore. And I think the arts, they give a certain tenderness to you. It's like a safety net, like a house, like a new house within your house, where you can think in a way differently. So this is the way that we do theater within the walls. But the other important stuff is the way that we raise the question also in the performance, which actually follows the text in an innovative way, but it's Mm text-based. Before that, we send educational material to the teachers for them to maybe work around this subject a bit Mm -hmm. with their students. And then after the show, we have another half an hour or one hour that we do a theater pedagogy program, a theater program with the viewers, with the people that they are actually seeing the show. And we, again, through theater techniques, we raise the subjects of the play. We take positions, we become the characters. We try to fantasize how this story could be of interest in our life. So when the audience is leaving, actually, the theater, so it's one and a half hours is the show, and then another half an hour, 45 minutes, is the theater educational program. When they leave, it's not about liking it. It's about having a, let's say, a way that they think about themselves. So I think that we present a very idyllic, a very iconic way of how to use the theater, that it reflects its ancestry, that theater, like in ancient Greece, is supposed to make you a better citizen instead of making you happier Mm -hmm. as a consumer. Ah, so the theater traditions that you have in Greece from the old days, it has always been from an education perspective, is that right? Yes, not in a way that sometimes we mistake education Mm -hmm. because we say education is when you learn something, like you learn one plus one equals two. So that's very factual. But I think that the sort of political education and the sort of the way that you learn how to create a dialogue or how to expose your opinion Mm -hmm. or how to empower Mm -hmm. your point of view or your ethics. And I don't mean the ethics in a Christian way. On the contrary, uh, the ethics that they are humanitarian, you know, the way that we can be a community, these sort of things. I think that the ancient texts, they give a great, great path of how you can work around ideas Mm -hmm. and the righteousness and uh, who we are and how we take responsibility for us and our families and our uh, communities. Yeah, beautiful. And I understand what the theater within the walls, what you do, what it does for the children. Can you tell me something about what do you get from working with these young children, young adolescents, I have to say? That's a very interesting question because what I get is that because I have done these mixed studies that they are about the theory, the academia, the perception, the way that you really force yourself as a drama into an old text and all of that. I think that what for me is interesting is that the theater, I'm so overwhelmed of it that I don't really mind at all that I go and I change the aesthetics that somebody writes in the newspaper about these new ideas of the repertory theater and stuff like that. I didn't care for that for a long, long time. And uh, the way that Theater for Adolescents is doing interferes in a social manner, for me, is my personal definition Mm -hmm. of why we need the arts 
how the arts are useful, not as a product, not as a consuming product that we go to a fancy place and we wear our good clothes and we see something and then we say, oh, I'm fine, look what happened to them or something like that. Or maybe the adult theater also had a lot, a lot of good ideas about it. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, theater was more important as a means to intervene in society. So what uh, this theater expedition is giving back to me is the idea that I am useful. That I go somewhere and theater, my knowledge is a means for somebody to develop, to change, to think better for themselves, to choose something maybe for their future instead of making me look like this absolute guru (laughs) that I give the answers, I give the techniques, I give the aesthetics, right? So I think this is what I get back. I think in all my career, the way that this socially, and I dare to say politically also, can intervene, but in a way of freedom, not in a way of preaching, not in a way of dictating to the others. Mm -hmm. This is why I think the arts are good, because if you can follow it in a democratic and free way, everybody gets what they need themselves, instead of being told what to do. So another factor to the school is that I give a choice also to the teachers of how they can do education without being dogmatic, without being the teacher and the students, that it's becoming more involved, more democratic, more uh, even. Mm -hmm. And people are drawn into knowledge and into the sentiments also, but with their own means instead of being forced to do that. So I also think it's a good example of how you can do education with the arts, as the arts is the education, actually. You were saying the title of the project, Theatre Within the Walls. How do you involve teachers and the school? Are they part of, like, do they choose what play? or We select the play, not uh, the teachers. And we give, I give, but we give also my actors, the actors of our production, we give a workshop for the teachers, like completely beforehand. And usually because we have a producer, this is also free of charge. Mm. Then we give material to the teachers when they start the school. And then the teachers, they come to the show. Maybe they come, maybe they not. And maybe other teachers that they have not been in a workshop might come. The TNET does a great benefit to us because a lot of the people that I have met in workshops, we have met in workshops, they are basically the pool from the people that are interested. So there are teachers that they are already familiar with theater pedagogy and they are familiar with the status of education that we can have through theater. So, you know, the problem here is that because it's not government-funded, we cannot reach the people who would have the best benefit from everybody. So the people that they are completely ignorant, and they are a lot, a lot of people are completely ignorant of how they can have a diverse way to teach ancient Greek, a diverse way to talk about democracy, a diverse way to talk about human rights, therefore bullying therefore uh, femicide, therefore a lot, a lot of things that are happening and adolescent age group are completely aware and not at all happy of how their uh, narration as a generation is going. But they are ignorant. They stand across from the students and they read the textbook, right? 
So that would be a great other way to do that. But it has never happened yet that we will have some government money so we can go to any school because the government allows it as an educational program, you see. But I think that this is difficult because maybe the teachers, they have to slowly grow into the idea of at the end inviting a whole troop of people to actually (laughs) present Antigone inside the school with the headmaster who might be completely right-wing and completely opposite to whatever challenge of education. They want to stick to the curriculum like hell, right? So these are all, all of them are difficult problems. They are difficult to solve, but uh, it's very, very nice that it is happening. I will tell you, like, when we did um, uh, the, the Birds by Aristophanes, talking about Utopia, this play, uh, called A Play About Utopia, Mm-hmm. We had more than uh, fifteen thousand students. Fifteen. So that would be fifteen. Oh. So that that would be like two hundred yeah. schools. That's a lot. That's a good. That's good, right? Yeah. Two hundred schools that the teacher persuaded the, the students to pay a very small ticket, but to pay a ticket for somebody to come to their uh, gymnastic hall to see something and then play. So I think that uh, this is very innovative and it's very optimistic for the future. Mm-hmm. If we have any <laughs> future. <laughs> yeah, future, if we have a future, if we have a future. <laughs> that's not funny at all. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, no. So, if we have any future, really, as a society, I mean, basically, because uh, uh, mm. we are going to, uh, through very difficult times, as we see, like uh, with all of this war again. Yeah. Um, I think that this is uh, this is my proposal, and not only mine, but a lot of people's proposal of how the arts can mingle with the, the teachers. Yes. Because the teacher then becomes very strong in their school uh, board, in their school um, hierarchy, because it is the teacher who is not afraid. Yeah. It is the teacher who can understand that there are other people also to give knowledge, not only him, her, they, but also other people. So the way that you actually acknowledge that you can have other artists, other people, that they can work in an educational level, also artistic level in your school, I think this gives strength. So I think this is the best collaboration with a teacher. Yeah. That uh, there is a teacher who is clearly not, uh, that the teacher is not ignorant. Yeah. I think for the teacher is also a sort of a political statement that they are aware of what's happening. Yeah, that's. Um, I really like the way you talk about the relevance of art and how it can give adolescents a voice and opinion and makes them involved with the reality around them. I heard you also speak about the curriculum. And of course, I'm from the Netherlands, you're from Greece. We have a very different school system. But how do you relate to the curriculum? I'm not a specialist about the curriculum. Mm -hmm. I just know that when you are in school, there is a certain amount of uh, pages that you have to teach. So you have to cover subjects, but you also have to prove that you have covered them. Yes. So if you talk about uh, democracy, you cannot talk about democracy out of the textbook. And does that mean that for the subject democracy, for example, all the schools in Greece use the same book to teach? Yes, not in the sense of democracy, but in the sense that we teach the um, funeral uh, oration by Pericles 
or that we learn about it in the political science textbook or something. Ah, okay. But it's not what you learn. It's the way that the educators, they need to cover up this textbook. Mm-hmm. They need to prove that they have done all these subjects. Mm-hmm. So whatever is out of these subjects, whatever one or two or three hours is out of the subject that they have to run quickly to do more and more. Yeah. So you understand it becomes very stressful and toxic. You say, oh my God, I now have to do the algorithm. Oh my God, now I have to do this and that. So the teachers, they become less and less creative because not so many hours like all these projects that are supposed to change the system of education, they never really work because when you have the time of the project, like the free time, you are behind in mathematics. So you say, let's do the mathematics now. I don't think it's a problem of either Greece or the Netherlands. It's a problem that we use education to in this productive model mm-hmm. of um, input output exactly to allow people to have the knowledge that they need so that they can uh, keep the society rolling mm-hmm. in a sense of how you become productive so this is why when you leave school you usually have to also choose something for your whole life which in reality never happens but uh, you are forced like when you are 18 to choose something forever to choose your identity like work-wise they don't ask you how you feel ethically gender-wise religiously these are given nobody cares it's only about what job you will take yes now the school is changing but the actual the young people are changing So they change us, fortunately. They take their luck in their hands much more than they did before. So in a way, maybe the theater and the arts have played a small role or the complete destruction of society played a a role there or the economic crisis and then the COVID, all of them, all of these things maybe have played a role of people feeling so abandoned that they have to choose who they are alone, that they don't feel that we actually, as adults, old adults we can actually lead them to freedom they are not persuaded by us that we can lead them to free thinking no it's a pity it is because also our generations were lucky we were war-free generations we were generations that we were raised with money yeah with freedom of choice with the class distinction became less and less we should be able to you know make another step for youth and not recreate the models of um, dogmatism, Mm -hmm. authenticity and superiority that we know more and they have to follow our thinking in order to survive. So overall, this is my thinking about them. And this is why whenever I say I have a lot of money to do like adult theater in a big venue or a program with adolescent students that they are in a low-class area, I always choose the second because then I always have the questions, Okay, but then who am I? And the question, who am I, which is not solved yet, always the who am I question goes to where people need more uh, support for them to become what they want, not for me to support them like a philanthropist, which is another problem of education, the being the philanthropist, you know. So you're talking about how art is also very useful in teaching life skills to play with points of view, like how to, and perceptions. Mm -hmm. How do you think creativity plays a role in that? And how do you bring that across to adolescents? I think also these are related a lot with the way that the infrastructure of education is happening. Mm -hmm. So because the creativity, it's not... It never has so many hours in the school. (laughs) So this is a time for you to be creative. 
or the people who work in education. They are not particularly people that they are professionals in creative subjects, that they can lead you in a way that you can become creative, where this is art crafts or technological stuff or the letters also, Mm -hmm. the way that you can do creative writing or things like that. I think that in the school, the problem is that when you are creative, it's usually like the free time. So the teacher says, I give you one hour, free time, be creative. So you just leave somebody to do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And this is called creativity, but this is actually not at all sponsored, nor with um, studios or special rooms that they have the things that you need, or of somebody to inspire you with their creativity, not to teach you how to be creative, exactly, but to inspire you with creativity. I think this does not happen very often because I think that it's easier for somebody to either lead somewhere to a certain result. I think this is the problem of the school, that we want to be led in a result. Mm -hmm. We have to show what we have done and to calculate, to make statistics, to make evaluations and all of that. And then I think that the adults are not well educated in general so that they can appreciate creativity as a result. So you leave somebody to do something bizarre, ugly, whatever, and then you don't have the aesthetic culture to understand that everything can be explained, appreciated, and aesthetically, you know, encouraged to what whoever does. So I think that the problem is that here again, Mm -hmm. we have a box where we want to fit in creativity. So you write a poem, and I am the one who will judge a poem. How would I judge a poem? I have never even read one. So it's the teacher who judges art, theater, new ideas, literature, all of that, chemistry, I mean, everything. So we have to ask, is the teacher, you know, they know everything and they can judge everything. You know what I mean? So this is, again, a point of view that we need teachers, that they have gone into a completely different process of what is their abilities. And sometimes it's not to strengthen their abilities, but basically to create a mirror so that they can see themselves and they can understand that they lack of experience, they lack of knowledge. And this is okay because it's better to know that you don't know something because then you don't become a wall towards somebody else that they cannot cross you because you have no idea what they are doing, right? So I think that the arts can really help people to have more self-knowledge, self-appreciation, to understand their capacity to think, be creative themselves, or all of that, so that they can understand how difficult it is to expose, how difficult it is to have a unique new idea, or not to just copy-paste. I think there is a lot of copy-paste in the education. Yes, there is. I mean, for some subjects, that's not a problem. But it shouldn't be only that. It should be a mixture. But because the subjects you are talking about are probably the practical things, that you copy-paste, and that's right. Mm -hmm. I think that this is the main idea, and then you copy-paste in everything. So this is why I say education is like a productive factory, that you copy-paste and you make copies. You want to make copies because you think this is safe. Well, this is not safe. No, it isn't. No. So to conclude the interview, it's just the last question, I guess. Two last questions. First of all, did I not ask you anything that you want to talk about to our listeners, that you think our listeners should hear? No, I think that you covered most of it. 
But let me again state that, uh, in my opinion, the more we can get our uh, students out of the classroom, and if we are from these humongous historical cities as we are in Europe, we can inspire them how to look outside, how to look into history, how to look into themselves, how to use the texts as something which is about reality now, Mm -hmm. like to expose them to reality and be brave to go out in the city and find the historical places, the places in nature, the places everywhere, that they take them out of the box. I think that that would be a great, great change in education. And it's not very hard. That's not very hard. We can actually do that. Yes. It's just uh, on our feet. (laughs) And a lot of reading for us. But other than that, it's just you can do it with your body. Yeah. You go out, out of the room. Yeah. Nothing more, <laughs> nothing more needed. Just a, a body and a text. Yes. I think you already answered the second question I had, which was, do you have any wish for education? But I think what you just said was... Yeah. I, actually, I don't have a wish because I make my wish true. Mm-hmm. I have to say it's very hard sometimes. So, for example, I have never had state funding although other people have, and they never have a slot for adolescents. It's like the adolescent does not need a theater. So it's very obvious that to do this sort of stuff in this age group is frightful. I think it's this gray zone that people, you know, there is a child and then there is an adult. And all this zone where you create safe Mm. space for somebody to grow and you create your mentality and you create your ethics and your sort of thinking, this is a gray zone. It's also always, you know, bombed with these uh, products like the movies and all of the stuff, the video games that they are like, uh, they're fine, actually, because they are made from big studios and stuff like that. But it's nowhere around how to intervene with education, with the other stuff that the school teaches you. So the school becomes a different thing and your life outside of school is a very different thing. So you and the teacher and you in the school, you don't go anywhere around. It's like you live in two parallel universes. Yes. So, you know, yes, I have a wish that uh, we understand that people, that when they are an adolescent, they really need to be taken care of. And that's about the infrastructure of the school system. It's about the infrastructure of how TV and uh, movies and all of this stuff are so freely violent and so freely completely pro-white supremacy stuff like for sure there is no multicultural stuff there is no awareness from the capital also from the capitalistic products also the consuming products but also as parents we leave the people when they are 12 uh, until they are 18 in a gray zone yeah i think that we can change that yeah and we can do that by starting to relate with this age group as equals to us not as old children but as young adults this is how it changes yeah so I want to thank you for this interview. I really enjoyed listening to you. You're so inspirational. I also thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Tapping into Creativity. In our show notes, you can find more information about our guests and the subjects that were discussed in this interview. If you liked what you heard, you can help us reach many more listeners by hitting the subscribe button, giving us a five-star review, and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. 
Tapping into creativity is part of ITAP-PD, which is short for International Teacher-Artist Partnership, Professional Development. We are currently building a model and training about partnership between teachers and artists in education. ITAP-PD facilitates a place and time where we can jointly develop our understanding, expertise and creativity on working with young people. We explore and play with the different perspectives teachers and artists have on behavior, development and language. If you want to know more about our project, please visit us on any social platform as i-tap-pd. This podcast was made possible by funding from the Erasmus Plus Strategic Partnership Program. Partners in ITAP-PD are the Education Center in Tralee, Center za dramu u edukaciji i umetnosti, CEDEUM. Panelinio dictio ja to theatro stin ekpedes. Stichting Copa, kunsteducatie. We were your hosts, Linda and Manja, from Stichting Copa in the Netherlands. Audio editing was done by Yelda Shahidi. Hope you tap in with us again. Have a nice day.